Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is the Buckswire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Buckswire editor, Luke Easterling. The Buckswire Podcast. I'm Steve Fortstein. Appreciate you being on board with us here. I'm filling in uh, for Ryan this uh, week uh, as he's uh, celebrating the. Uh, the upcoming birth of a new child. So congratulations to him. And I appreciate all the folks at USA Today Sports Media Group allowing me the opportunity to host these podcasts. We are joined by Luke Easterling from the Bucks Wire. Luke, thanks so much for taking time with us. Hey, it's my pleasure. All right, so let's talk about last week, the 28-22 win over the Eagles. Tom Brady, nearly 300 yards, a pair of touchdowns, Leonard Fournette, a couple of rushing scores. Let's take a little walk down memory lane, get your thoughts on the win, improving the Bucks' record to 5-1 and one in a game-and-a-half lead over New Orleans, the NFC South. Yeah, I think, honestly, it showed what they're, what they're capable of, what the Bucks are capable of in both the best and the, and the worst of ways, right? I mean, if you – you go back to that first half and really into the third quarter, you're up 28 to seven. And that's an opportunity that the Bucks, you know, they had an opportunity to do what they did to Miami the week before, right? When, you know, you go into the third quarter, it's 24, 17, they're within a score. And then you, you remind everyone who the defending Super Bowl champs are and who's, who's not right. You, you put three touchdowns on the board, you win 45 to 17 and you pull away. Right. So, you know, the Bucks had an opportunity to, to really put their, you know, put the pedal to the metal and, and dominate and blow out the Eagles and they just let them hang around. And, and I think that's the flip side of what this team is capable of is, is they're capable of playing down to their competition when they're, you know, shooting themselves in the foot uh, with, with penalties and, and errors and mistakes that are really unforced by the opponent. You know, they had two pass interference penalties for 40 plus yards each, if I'm not mistaken, that, that helped set up those, uh, a couple of those scores for Philly. So I mean, this team, yes, they're banged up, but they're still among the most talented, most balanced teams in the league on both sides of the ball. And, and they are capable of beating teams like that by a lot of points. They, again, they were up 28-7 in the third quarter and really could have pulled away with the way that defense was playing. They let them hang around, let them start running the ball a little, and, and you know, made it uh, what should have been a blowout into a one-score game. Talking to Luke Easterling here on the Bucks Wire podcast. I want to talk about O.J. Howard. It was, uh, it's been a while since we got to talk about what he's meant to this Buccaneers offense. Bruce Arians talked about his injuries that were concerns. Maybe he just wasn't being utilized enough by Tom Brady. On Thursday night against the Eagles, all of that changed. Howard had six catches for 49 yards and a touchdown. And a lot of people want to see Howard do well with Tampa Bay. So give me your thoughts on his progression and what you saw from him last week. Yeah, well, I mean, we actually just talked to to Bruce Arians this week about where O.J. Howard is at, and he's always reminding us, listen, you know, it was right around this time of year last year is when he tore his Achilles, and that's really a full-year injury. That's that's usually a 12-month, you know, 
some guys don't even go back to being the, the player they were before, right? And that's regardless of what sport you're playing. Once you tear an Achilles, it's a really significant injury in terms of explosiveness and your ability to, to be the kind of athlete you're used to being. And I think for O.J. Howard, that's just been, that's been the road. It's been a long road, a long recovery, and he's been rehabbing and working hard to get back to this place. And Bruce Arians told us a week or two ago that he's still, you know, they're tracking his speed in practice. Uh, with the the various technologies they have to do that, and and he's still you know not even at a hundred percent basic you know based on what he was doing last year before the injury, so there's still room for him to grow and and recover from this. But the fact that he's you know when he was thrust into the spotlight again with with Rob Gronkowski out with that that rib injury, you know when he, he's got the opportunity to to step up to the plate, especially on national TV, and come up with a big game like he just did, it reminds everybody why he was a top twenty pick. It's kind of rare for a tight end. But he's he's big, he's fast, he's athletic, and I think it's just a, a, a chemistry thing. He's got to get used to being, you know, targeted that much again and being a huge part of this offense. Obviously, it's not going to be the case when Gronkowski comes back. But the ability to have a, a player like like OJ Howard at that talent level developing behind arguably the greatest tight end of all time in Rob Gronkowski, you know, that's, that's a, a, just another. You know, there's an embarrassment of riches that Tom Brady has at his disposal, and that's just another example having a guy like Howard where they can play it slowly and allow him to come back from that injury slowly. Buccaneers going to be taking on Chicago this weekend. We'll talk about that game a little bit later on. I want to get your takeaway on the defensive backfield, and I thought it was kind of a shot in the dark, both because of his age and whatever that incident was earlier this summer with Richard Sherman, I thought it was a bit of a stretch to go out uh, for the Buccaneers to go and acquire Richard Sherman off the, off the market a little bit. And then of course he went down with an injury. It's another tough spot uh, for the Buccaneers defense. What's been your take on the situation revolving uh, the, the constantly revolving door, if you will, of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers DBs? I think honestly, you know, obviously it's tested their depth. Uh, I don't think any team is really prepared to lose their two best corners for a long stretch of time, but that's what the Bucks are dealing with. They lost Sean Murphy bunting, obviously in week one early in that game to a dislocated elbow. He's on injured reserve still and, and doesn't really have a timetable. Carlton Davis uh, had the quad injury a couple weeks back against new England uh, right before halftime. So he's been out since then. He's on injured reserve as well. Bruce Arians has told us that there's really no expectation as to when those guys are going to get back. So I wouldn't expect them anytime soon, probably not even not before the bye week in week nine. Um, but that's why they went out and got Richard Sherman. And then Sherman comes back and obviously he gets injured because you're coming, you know, you're coming straight off the couch uh, into the starting lineup. He, he had three practices before he was starting against New England on that Sunday night game. And, you know, you're, that, there's no way to prepare your body for that, no matter how much you work hard on your own time being in football shape, as they say, is just a completely different beast. So he'll be on the shelf for a couple of weeks with that hamstring injury. What it has done is give Jamel Dean an opportunity to step up and prove he can be that guy. And that's, he has done that over the last two games. He's got an interception in each of the last two games. He leads the team with seven pass breakups, four of which came Thursday night against Philadelphia. Um, you know, he's, if, you know, obviously from my draft background, I did a lot of work on him coming out of Auburn you know, the size, the length, the speed, the only thing that was really a knock on him in that draft class was he was coming off a knee injury and you didn't know how he was going to bounce back from that. And I think without that injury, Jamel Dean isn't on the board in the third round when the Bucks pick him in that draft. So, you know, he's stepping up to the plate. He is giving the Bucks a number one shutdown corner, even though he's really the number three on the depth chart, because honestly, that's just who he has to be right now. I think the bigger concern is where else are you going to get that type of play? Because, 
you know, one corner can, can be ignored. You can just focus on the other guys and pick on the other guys. So who's going to step up between uh, Richard Robinson, who they just activated off the practice squad, Pierre Desir, who's a veteran guy who's bounced around a little bit, Dee Delaney, who had a great preseason uh, and took one of those last roster spots with his play. You know, which one of those guys is going to make sure, hey, I'm not going to be the guy who's going to get picked on this week. I'm going to raise my level and my game uh, to the point where, you know, I'm playing where, where Jamel Dean is and, and making those plays as well. They, they're going to have to keep doing that. Those safeties are obviously going to have to keep making plays. Mike Edwards, Jordan Whitehead. I know Antoine Winfield Jr. is still in the concussion protocol as of right now. Um, but those safeties are going to be big as well because a lot of those guys can come down and play nickel. They're very versatile. So there's a lot of different ways. Todd Bowles knows what he's doing, and, and that defense, especially against Philly, they really came to play. Luke Easterling joining us here on the show. Let's uh, talk about the defense, staying with the defense for a little bit longer. Talk about your impressions, linebackers, Devin White, and what he's meant to the season, and uh, Levante David, and what is Levante's status for this weekend against the Bears? Well, Bruce just told us that his, uh, quote, his fingers are crossed uh, for Sunday for Levante David. I, I still think, personally, it's a long shot. Um, it, there was some still some ambiguity with the, the reports we've gotten from, from Bruce Arians and the team about whether or not it's a low ankle sprain or a high ankle sprain. You know, either one of those, depending on the severity, could keep a guy out for a few weeks. So, obviously, he was out on the short week for the, the Philadelphia game. Chicago, it's just going to be a matter of whether or not he would – you know, do any further damage to that by trying to come back so quickly. So I, I still think he's probably another week away. Um, obviously, that's not great news when you're going up against another quarterback who's very uh, athletic and mobile and Justin Fields. Obviously, they did a pretty good job against Jalen Hurts, and I think that gave them a little bit of a test run. Todd Bowles basically said as much earlier this week that, you know, that that gave them a little bit of a, a understanding about what they have to do to defend him. But Levante David is arguably the best off-ball linebacker in the entire NFL. So not having him on the field is obviously a, a huge blow, but it really helps when your second linebacker is a guy like Devin White, who, again, fast, physical, he's big, he understands what this defense is asking of him. I think, if anything, the only problem that Devin White has had this year is he's, he's trying to do too much. He's pressing a little too much, trying to make big plays. He's, he's overrunning plays and being too aggressive at times. He's such a great athlete. He has those great instincts. I think he just needs to take a deep breath and, and dial it in and, and stay focused a little bit instead of trying to, to make all the plays. I, I point out the, the touchdown run, the first one that Jalen Hurts had on Thursday night. You know, Devin White was supposed to spy him on that play, and he got aggressive. He tried to kind of come in more as a pass rusher. He got locked up with a blocker in the middle, and then Hurts basically just walked his way into the end zone on the outside. So he's just got to be patient, make the plays when they're there to be made, and especially with Levante, if he's out of the lineup again, it's going to come down to Devin White taking charge of that that heart of that defense and making sure that he's mentally engaged and not just trying to fly all over the place. Luke Easterling covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the Bucks Wire. We appreciate his time on the podcast. We're going to take a quick break, come back with much more, including thoughts on Leonard Fournette, the rest of the NFC South, and a preview of the Buccaneers taking on the Bears. You're listening to the Bucks Wire podcast. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Welcome to week number seven. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com, here to bring you strong plays as we navigate six teams on by. Quarterback Matt Ryan, Atlanta Falcons, at Miami Dolphins. Coming off of a bye week of his own, Ryan gets wide receiver Calvin Ridley back in the lineup, and it looks like wideout Russell Gage has a chance to return as well. 
The entire offense seems to be coming around to Arthur Smith's system, and the last time we saw Ryan, he was dropping dimes to rookie tight end Kyle Pitts. Miami has allowed 12 passing touchdowns, picking off only two passes since week one, and three teams have given up more fantasy points to the position in this time. Each one of those teams has allowed at least two rushing scores to inflate the matchup data. With injury concerns at both of the starting cornerback positions, Miami may have a hard time keeping Ryan under wraps. Running back J.D. McKissick, Washington football team at Green Bay Packers. McKissick's three strong games this year have come against the Giants, the Falcons, and the Chiefs. All terrible defenses. The Chargers, Bills, and Saints shut him down. Green Bay is somewhere in the middle right now, largely due to injuries. Green Bay's offense can hang points with the best of them, and Washington hasn't been able to stop a receiver for anything this season. Furthermore, it's unclear if running back Antonio Gibson will be able to play through his continued shin injury after exiting the lineup multiple times last week. His absence would mean more work for McKissick. Detroit Lions wide receiver Amon Ross St. Brown at Los Angeles Rams. LA's defense of wide receivers isn't nearly as strong as it may seem, at least from a fantasy perspective in PPR. Some of that's by design. In the last five weeks, only Tennessee has given up more catches to the position. Washington has allowed one fewer reception but seven more touchdowns in that time. The Rams are playing extremely well with a version of bend but don't break defense. They'll happily give up a lot of short area passing volume to prevent the long ball as evidenced by a dozen players over six games having five or more receptions against this unit in 2021. In a revenge game for Matthew Stafford, Detroit will be forced to throw like crazy to have a chance. Not that the Lions actually have a chance. St. Brown should be heavily targeted. Get him in all PPR lineups, especially with so many teams on a bye. Arizona Cardinals tight end, Zach Ertz versus the Houston Texans. Still feels weird to say, doesn't it? He posted four catches, 29 yards, and a touchdown in week six Thursday night game before being traded the next day. This week, Houston comes to visit and brings its feeble defense of tight ends. The position has averaged 5.6 receptions, 67 yards, and a touchdown every 7.3 catches. All of these are top nine figures working in Ertz's favor. Additionally, Houston has been surprisingly good against wide receivers, which would mean Kyler Murray is frequently looking toward his new tight end. For more fantasy football tips and advice, please check out our award-winning content at thehuddle.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at USA Today bet.com slash podcast that's usa today bet.com slash podcast see typico.com for terms and conditions 21 plus only gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in new jersey 1-800-522-4700 in colorado just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left listen to where secrets go to die the disappearance of Derek hennigan From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my homie, Nathan Beagle to help break down this week's Sunday Night Football game with the Indianapolis Colts visiting the San Francisco 49ers. Our friends at Typico Sportsbook have the 49ers favored 4.5 with the total sitting at 43.5. 
I like the Indianapolis Colts to cover this number because they're 4-2 against the spread so far this year. Their offense is trending up with T.Y. Hilton coming back and Wentz getting settled into his new scheme. Also, the 49ers are 5-13-1 against the spread at home since Kyle Shanahan became head coach in 2017. Nate, how are you betting your money in this game? I like San Francisco in this game, especially with them having the seventh best pass defense in the NFL and Jimmy G returning. Jimmy G has only lost two games this season, and they were to Green Bay and Seattle, having beaten Philadelphia and Detroit, both by more than four points. I'm rolling with the home dog coming off a bye week. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, we're back, and let's uh, let's dig into Leonard Fournette for a moment, Luke. And again, thank you so much for taking time with us this afternoon. It's really a reminder, to me at least, of what Tom Brady's influence has always been on an offense, especially when he has a reliable pass-catching guy coming out of the backfield. Talk about what you've seen from Leonard Fournette this season. Honestly, we've seen a, a completely different player than even the guy that we saw down the stretch. He became playoff Lenny and then Lombardi Lenny, right, with his the postseason run that he had. But he was still just mostly a running back, a, you know, a first and second down, you know, bruiser who could make, you know, break off a big run here and there. But, you know, the, the you know, he was still splitting carries with Ronald Jones on the early downs. The Bucks were still really begging for one of those guys to step up as the third down back, and they really struggled. They both did last year in terms of pass protection and in terms of catching the ball out of the backfield. They were very inconsistent. They were dropping passes pretty regularly, and obviously with a quarterback like Tom Brady, the track record he has, you know, relying on those running backs as pass catchers out of the backfield, that's something that's very important to the way he plays the game, and it was really missing from the Bucks' offense for the entire season. So coming into this year, one of the few moves the Bucks actually made to bring in somebody new was to go out and get Giovanni Bernard, who excels in that role, right? He was going to be that, that James White, that Kevin Falk, that you know, third down back who could protect the passer, could make plays in the passing game and just be that check down guy for Tom Brady. That's that's literally what he was brought in to do. And and what we've seen from Leonard Fournette this year is that he has no intention of of uh, letting that role go to someone else. Not only has he absolutely stolen the, the lead running back role on the early downs away from Ronald Jones, and I think last week was a perfect example. I think he had 22 carries. Ronald Jones had four or five. You know, so I mean, obviously he's taking the lion's share of the of the carries in the in the running game, but also as a receiver, he's taken that role away from Giovanni Bernard. Giovanni Bernard had two catches for four yards and stumbled and fell over on one of them. He struggled in pass protection the week before against Miami, even though he had the touchdown catch. Leonard Fournette has gotten better and better every week this season in terms of his pass protection as a as a as a third down back and catching the ball out of the backfield, and not just not just catching it well, which, again, he struggled with last year. He's catching the ball more consistently, but he's then being the player he is as a running back after the catch, and that means making people miss. He's running people over and getting that extra two or three yards and turning you know, a quick pass into a seven- or eight-yard gain in ter- in, instead of a, a two- or three-yard run if you were running the ball, and that's just huge for this offense, for Tom Brady to be able to you know, push the defense down the field with all those weapons he has, Mike Evans, 
Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, Gronkowski, all those weapons that the defensive backfield, the, set, the back seven, have to deal with to be able to check it down to a guy like Leonard Fournette and know that he's going to catch it at three yards and turn it into seven or eight every time. It's just huge for this offense. So, again, Leonard Fournette has become a much more complete back than we saw last year. And that's very, very dangerous for people who are going to play against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We know they can throw the ball down the field. It's the fact that now their offense has a balance to it that we just didn't see last year. And that's pretty scary. Luke Easterling, BucksWire.com. Appreciate your time uh, this afternoon on the podcast. Looking around the rest of the NFC South, you've got the Bucks sitting atop the division right now. They're followed by the sort of new look New Orleans Saints, the somewhat walking wounded Carolina Panthers, and the of course the Falcons bringing up the rear, who have only gotten in the way of themselves so far this season. Give me your thoughts on that on that division right now, with the Buccaneers leading the way. Yeah, well, I think you know at the bottom you've got some intriguing you know, players and talent and potential in Atlanta and in Carolina. I think they, you know, they have players who could present problems for Tampa Bay in certain situations, but as a team, they're just nowhere near as complete, obviously, as the, as the Bucks are coming off the Super Bowl win, bringing back their entire starting lineup. I think that the big question mark is the Saints because yes, Drew Brees is gone. Yes. Michael Thomas isn't, you know, is still on the, the, the pup list and that, that team does not look the same in a lot of ways to the team that swept the Bucks last year. And, and, you know, obviously the upset win in the playoffs was big, but I think it still matters a great deal to this Bucks team that they did not win the division last year, that the Saints still have that NFC South crown that they're defending. And I still think it means a lot to the Bucks to go out there and prove that they are the, the, the best team in this division now, and, and not just a team that got hot once in the postseason and made the most of it. And yes, they got the Super Bowl, and that's a big deal the biggest deal, but they, they want to prove it to the saints. And, and obviously we're a couple weeks away from that first game on Halloween in new Orleans, but you know, until the bucks actually go out and beat the saints and prove it to them and, and beat them in their house in the, in the regular season and, and defend their own turf in the regular season until they do that and, and put that, that NFC South champions banner up there as well. I think there's going to be some unfinished business for this team. So until they do that, I think that's going to be circled on the calendar for the bucks. Talking to Luke Easterling from the Bucks Wire. Appreciate his time. So let's talk about this weekend against Chicago. And they're dealing with some growing pains as well. Rookie quarterback, you've got news of Robert Quinn going on the COVID list, making his status this weekend unknown. But the Bears sitting at three and three, maybe not as bad as either we originally thought or as bad as it looked a couple of weeks ago uh, with the with the quarterback situation over there. Give me your thoughts about the Bears this weekend and what they bring to the table. I think, you know, I agree with Bruce Arians that they have probably one of the three best defenses that the Bucks are going to see all year. And I think it starts there, right? And, and you know, the, the best way to help out your young quarterback is to have a ground game. Unfortunately, for the Bears, David Montgomery is, is on injured reserve. He's going to be out for this game still. So you're leaning on a rookie in the backfield and Khalil Herbert. Um, you know, you've got Allen Robinson, one of the better wide receivers in the league, but that offensive line is just really, really bad. And again, that's just not a recipe for success when you have a young quarterback. And then you throw in the fact that, you know, Matt Nagy and his, you know, play calling and, and approach with the strategy that, you know, went so badly against Cleveland a few weeks ago in Justin Fields' debut. Are they going to be on the same page? Is he going to be giving Justin Fields a, a, a scheme and a, a game plan, an approach that's going to make it as, as easy as possible for him to have success against one of the best defenses in the league? Yes, I know the Bucks are banged up, but they still have Todd Bowles calling the shots. They still have a mostly healthy defensive front who's one of the best in the league. 
one of the best rushing defenses the league has seen in the last two or three years. You know, Justin Fields is going to have to go out and beat them in this game. He's going to have to 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 run when there's pl- space to run. He's going to have to try to take advantage of that banged up secondary, but he's going to need time to do that. And that offensive line being so, so just not, I, mean, I don't know how else to say it. They're not very good. It's going to be rough for him. They're going to have to get the ball out of his hands really quickly. And it's just hard to run on this team. So I think if the Bucks are, if the Bears are going to have any chance against the Bucks, it's going to come from the Bucks beating themselves more than the Bears doing it. Again, that's exactly what happened last year. You know, this is a revenge game for the Bucks. The week five of last year, they lost 20 to 19 at the last minute on a Thursday night in Chicago. They played probably their most sloppy game of the season. Penalties, self-inflicted errors, just had no business losing that game. And while a lot of players wouldn't admit it, Devin White said it plain as day in his post-game press conference on, on NFL Network. He told them straight up that they've had this game circled. They want to go out and get revenge for that game on national television last year. I think that's on their minds. They want to go out and make sure, hey, we're not going to be the same team that beat themselves last year. This team is not not on our level, and we need to go out and prove it. Luke Easterling, tell our tell the listeners uh, how they can follow more of your work. Obviously, BucksWire.com. Obviously, also always keeping an eye on the college game as well with the DraftWire. Yeah, yeah, DraftWire.USAToday.com, BucksWire usatoday.com there and then on social media it's pretty simple i'm at luke easterling on twitter uh that's where you can find my stuff and come uh, come argue with me feel free <laughs> luke i appreciate your time very much uh, here on the bucks wire podcast again i'm steve Bortzi filling in for ryan o'leary thanks so much for taking part of the uh, bucks wire podcast and we'll talk soon luke thanks very much my pleasure steve take care This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.